For the second time in his young career, Will Myers is in the middle of a big trade as he is on his way from the race to the Padres as part of a three-team deal. On the heels of the Will Myers blockbuster trade, we'll discuss the entire thing. This is the December 18th edition of the Gwintelligence Podcast. edition of the Intelligence Podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined as always by Padres Jagoff. Yes, we're here again for another emergency podcast. It's nice having these emergency podcasts. This is like one of those really good emergencies, right? This is, I, I guess the term emergency was kind of the wrong word there. I think emergency is okay, but you know, it's a, it's, it's, yeah, I guess we could have a bad emergency podcast also, but uh, you know, the last two ones have been pretty good. We should have had an emergency podcast when AJ Preller didn't have a computer. That should have been <laughs> emergency podcast number one. We should have, yeah. But I okay, think, I think Twitter Twitter took that on pretty well on its own, though. Yeah. All right, so let's just cut straight to the news. Uh, the Padres today made a blockbuster trade. This has got to be one of the largest trades they've made in a long time. They have traded Joe Ross, Jake Bowers, Bert Smith. Rene Rivera, and a player to be named later, which is going to be Trey Turner. In exchange, they've gotten 2013 AL Rookie of the Year, Will Myers. They got uh, catcher Ryan Hannigan and two minor league prospects, Jose Castillo and Gerardo Reyes. Uh, what was your initial impression? I was Actually, I was unsure at first. I mean, we, we are giving up a lot in this trade. Um but the more I think about it, the, the more I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Uh, one key influencer, uh, Fangraphs, um, Kylie McDaniel, had a profile of all of the prospects in the trade. And I think in my head I'd, I'd had a higher ceiling on what Trey Turner could do at the plate and what Jake Bowers could do at the plate. But uh, after reading their analysis, I mean, they like Trey Turner. I mean, he's a starting shortstop eventually, but um, he's not Troy Tulowitzki. So once I got over – you know, some of the hype on him, uh, how can you be unhappy about it? I mean, we got Will Myers. We kept our top four prospects. Uh, and in my opinion, Hannigan's a bigger piece. It's kind of like with the Kemp trade when with Federowitz. I think Hannigan adds a lot, and I think he's being forgotten a lot in this uh, in this trade. Um, I pointed out on Twitter that he is projected for more steamer war than uh, Grandall or Rivera. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the trade in general, and and uh, Ryan Hannigan. Um, but uh, let me talk about the prospects that Potters are giving up here first. Uh, Trey Turner. It's extremely interesting because he was drafted and signed on June 13th, which means he technically can't be traded until June 13th of 2015. So what they're going to do is they're going to call him the player to be named later. Six months uh, from now, the player to be named later will have to be named. And six months from now, it'll be past June 13th, so that it can be Trey Turner. But what it means, it's going to be really funny. Uh, he's going to play the first half of 2015 in the Padres system. I don't know how that's going to work. If they're going to have to keep him at a certain level and playing a certain amount of the time, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. The rest of the guys they gave up, I, I like Joe Ross. And last podcast, we talked about how this might affect uh, contract negotiations with Tyson Ross. I think you're a little less uh, uh, skeptical on whether or not that will actually mean anything in, in true 
uh, contract negotiations. But the rest of the guys, I mean, I've said multiple times this offseason we should trade Rene Rivera while his, while his value is at its highest. I don't think it'll ever be higher than it is now. Um, Birch Smith, again, he was one of those back of the rotation. You know, we have, we seemingly have 50 of those guys right now that we can pick from. Um, even after this trade, we still have Whistler. Uh, we still have Robbie Irwin. We got Brandon Morrow now, uh, Jesse Hahn, Despagne, Casey Kelly. I mean, I can go on and on. There was really no need for Birch Smith. So getting any value for him is pretty nice. No, and keep in mind he was hurt all year also. So he's another one of our arm problem pitchers. Right. And it, there's just been this log jam and the log jam's finally clearing up. And that's really nice to see. Um, and then Jake Bowers. Yeah, I guess before I read the Fangraphs article, which I'll link you guys to here um, on the podcast uh, homepage, I thought he had a much higher offensive ceiling. Um, reading that his uh, upside is James Loney. <laughs> I'm and, okay. and that his, his realistic one is Derek Barton. Yeah, both those guys are very forgettable in the grand scheme of things and not players who you're going to win a World Series with uh, objectively, so I'm okay. And they kept Hunter Renfro. They kept Austin Hedges. They kept Matt Whistler. They didn't have to trade you know, one of their major league players that um, they don't readily replace because they go from Rene Rivera to a guy who you just mentioned, Ryan Hannigan, who's an improvement for the Padres this year. And I said this on Twitter. He absolutely destroys left-handed pitching. In his career, he has a 15% walk rate against left-handed pitching and only an 8% strikeout ratio. So generally speaking, if you're striking out as much as you're walking, that's that's pretty impressive, let alone if you're walking twice as much as, it, uh, as when you're striking out. So I think from a perspective of we've seen so many players over the years strike out and have horrible patience in the Padres, he's going to be really nice to watch. Um, additionally, well, defensively, uh, you know, uh, I think it's the sports nation D back or D- D- uh, the Rays blog, uh, pointed out his pitch framing is just as good as Rene Rivera's and his in general defense is just as good as Rene Rivera's. Yeah. I think I saw, he threw out something like 45% of base runners The plate. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, the pitch framings numbers are good and it's really hard to find any defensive statistic for him. That's bad. I mean, uh, you know, his and so you pair him with Federowitz, and you've got two really skilled defensive catchers there now. Right, and Austin Hedges still waiting in the wings because he didn't exactly. Have so, um, and then yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you really have to comment on Will Myers. He was rookie of the year two years ago. He kind of had some injury problems last year, a wrist injury. He probably should not have played through. Um, but he's only 24. He just turned 24. And, you know, he's got a ton of potential. He's got a, uh, five more years of team control. From a player acquisition standpoint, it's really hard to find a player that I would have liked to have added that was a realistic option than Will Myers. I'm, I'm just blown away that we actually got him. Yeah, uh, for all the ridicule of AJ Preller, uh, you know he uh, he's imaginative, creative. I think this is a deal that I don't think Josh Burns would have thought of even presenting. Right, and I think this also goes back to something we talked about last podcast about how oftentimes you overrate guys in your own system. You know, it's like it's it's almost like when you're in that fantasy football league and there's the one team you're looking at two rosters and there's like one team with two really good quarterbacks, but he doesn't want to trade either, and there's a team with two really good tight ends and he doesn't want to trade either, (laughs) and you're just looking at him like, man, if if one of you just wised up or both of you just wised up, you guys could both have a really good quarterback and tight end, and it's almost like. A.J. Preller has come in and said, hey, uh, 
Josh Burns, you had 50 back of the rotation arms. You have all these other guys that you should be moving and blah, blah, blah. And it's just really nice to see someone come in and recognize, you know, where we have excess value and add to the team by trading from that excess value. It's, it was almost too obvious from a fan perspective and so frustrating to see every year Will Venable and Yonder Alonso and so on being trotted out there while we have, you know, seemingly extra value elsewhere that's not being used. So that's, that's really nice to see. I'm really happy to see that. Yeah. Incredibly sad. So I mean, (laughs) incredibly happy. Um, Dave Cameron on Fangraphs had an article, uh, some could call it an attack article almost, on Will Myers this morning, um, questioning some of his abilities. But I, I guess in my opinion, if you're going to take a chance, I mean, anyone would get is a chance. You know, Jay Bruce was one of the worst offensive players last season, and a ton of people would be so happy to have him on the team. Um, the, the thing is, with Will Myers being a number four in all of baseball top prospect, so many eyes, so many scouts, so many journalists, so many analysts have looked at him, watched him, seen him play, that so many people would have to be wrong for him to be a bust. That, in my opinion, if you're going to bet on someone, you bet on someone who a ton of smart people have vetted and feel is a skilled player. Yeah, and he's not only – he just turned 24. He hasn't played in the big leagues as an age 24 player, which is – you know, typically when guys are starting to come up. So, look, he won Rookie of the Year in his age 22 year. That's, you know, that's not like a common thing. I, I don't think that's like a fluke where for his entire career going through the minor leagues, he was thought of as a premier prospect, comes up, has a, uh, you know, an excellent half season with the Tampa Bay Rays <laughs> of the year. I don't think you, you know, throw that away based on one, half season again last year where he had a wrist injury. I don't think you start to question his whole body of work based on that half season. Um, so, and, and look, he's not a scout, right? He's a statistics guy and he's looking at this from a statistics standpoint. And I think he's maybe trying to hedge his bets because, you know, in the past few years, he has been pretty boldly wrong on a couple things. And, you know, that's not to criticize a guy, but I think he might be a little bit, you know, too skeptical this offseason on a few things that are going on, especially yeah. related. Well, I agree with that. Um, but the thing with Will Myers is he's already shown the ability to, at the very least, be, you know, a 20, a 20 home run a year outfielder. Um, there's room to grow. A lot of people think he's a 30 to 40 home run outfielder. But let's say that he ends up just being a 20 home run outfielder. That's not that bad for the Padres. And it's certainly an improvement on what we have. Right, and he's and we've got him for five years. Yeah, and it's not like he's a left-handed gap-to-gap hitter who you know might not work at Petco. He's a right-handed pull hitter. Yeah, perfectly uh, fits you know, the profile. He's going to hit home runs to left field at Petco Park. I'm not really concerned about that. Um, I'm not really concerned with anything about him besides maybe that wrist injury lingering into 2015. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to form my own opinions on these things and not really get sucked into the. Uh, the fan grass hole on this one. Yeah. And I think most fans uh, feel the same way. I think most of the local bloggers feel the same way. And a lot of the bloggers, you know, are very saber minded. And I, I think I haven't seen anyone be real negative on this yet. Still waiting for Sackbunt Dustin. He could be, uh, could be an outlier, but other than that, very positive. 
I think Dustin will actually like this one. If I'm if I had to bet on it, I think he's going to give it a positive, uh, you know, a stamp of approval here. Well, and you know, it made it a little easier because most of us just assumed from the rumors yesterday that either Whistler or Hedges or both were going to Tampa Bay for him. And I think by this mor- this morning, most of us were semi okay with the idea of both of those guys going for him. So the fact that it turned into the trade it did is is so. It's like an extra bonus for us. Right. And I think I saw some people trying to estimate, you know, war per dollar, which is going to be the predominant factor in any analysis that, you know, I think that Dustin and most of the Padres public people are going to put out there. You know, he's got something I, I saw Pod Langford those out there, like 80 million surplus value. I, I don't see Joe Ross, Bowers, Burt Smith, uh, Maybe Trey Turner's got some a lot of excess value because he's a you know a high draft pick, but you know you had all all those guys together, it's it's a pretty even trade at the very least, if not very beneficial to the Padres. So well, even even Hannigan, you know, Steamer's projecting him for two point one WAR, I think, next year. You know, his salary is like three point seven five million dollars. I mean, he's got serious surplus value on his own. Right, and then in addition, there's two. International prospects, uh, Jose Castillo, who's an 18-year-old Venezuelan kid who just signed for $1.5 million. you got to figure that if A.J. Preller is targeting some 18-year-old international guy, there's a reason there. I mean, that's what he's known for. Um, and a 21-year-old relief pitcher who actually had really promising numbers last year in single A. Uh, he is also international. He's, a, I believe, Mexican-born maybe. Mexican, but the cool yeah. thing about him is his nickname is Pollo. So we traded for San Diego Pollo or the San Diego Chicken. I am extremely ecstatic. That oh, is I can't wait, for, better, can't wait for him. It couldn't be a better nickname for a Padres. Yeah. Well, and that guy, uh, Gerardo, uh, you know, Kylie McDaniel actually said he's he's only a year or two away. Uh, he throws 96. Uh, you know, middle relievers have value. And I think, I think Preller knew what he was doing with those two. I mean, to, to pull those two names out of their system, um, I, I think he's he's clearly scouted them at some point in the past, especially the Venezuelan one. Yeah. All right, so I on Twitter before we started here, I threw up um, – I asked people for questions, and generally we get about five of them and we do all of them. But today I got about I – I so I apologize that people were not going to answer today uh, due to time. Um, but I did pick out five, so I want I want to go through these five. Um, the first one I want to start with the pessimistic one first. This one comes from Richard Wade. He's a writer over at Bolts from the Blue. He asks, "How does Buddy screw this up?" Uh, you know, I guess he could platoon uh, Matt Kemp and uh, and and Will Myers in in like right no in center field. That would be the that, that would be the ideal thing. Um. The other way he could screw it up is he could decide to turn Will Myers into a super utility player because it would be so bud to look at his past. And, and Will Myers has been experimented on by his past teams quite a bit. I mean, he's played catcher. He's played third base. He's played outfield. I believe he's played center field. Uh, so I could see Bud looking at that and being like, he's, uh, he's Alexi Amarista but doesn't totally suck at hitting, which would be the worst, which would be the very worst. Yeah, I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, I don't know how he's going to screw it up. I don't know if he will. I mean, I could see maybe calling too many sacrifice bunts 
or something with Will Myers. I, I really don't know. Or if, for example, Will Myers got off to a poor start, if he just got into his doghouse or something like that. Um, you know, he hasn't been exactly uh, liberal with his use of young players, whether that was Yasmani Grandal or Reimer Liriano at the end of last year. Although Jed Jerko did get full playing time for the most part. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Buddy will actually screw it up because he is on the last year of his contract. He might have come back um, under the premise that he has to just listen to what management wants him to do. Um, but uh, I'm not that optimistic. Uh, he's been a pretty poor in-game strategist, in my opinion, over the years. Um, you know, you just got to hope that there's influence from elsewhere in the organization. Well, I mean, I, I said before, I don't really mind Bud Black. I, I think that the same complaints we had for Bud Black, we had for Bruce Bochy. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, Bochy's been incredibly successful. So I, I saw the question. I don't really think Bud Black's going to screw it up. I don't think he's going to play Will Myers as a platoon utility player. Uh, the only, Realistically, though, the only thing I could think of is that Bud would drop him too too far down on the lineup. In fact, I saw someone someone on Twitter had a projected lineup with, uh, I think it was Kemp cleanup with Yonder Alonso protecting him in the lineup at five. Oh man, which which would infuriate me every time I saw it. And that that would be a buddish thing to do. I I could totally see him being like, no, we have to have lefty righty, lefty righty. Exactly. Yeah. Like no, just put your best hitters at the top of the lineup, give them the most at bats, and get the hell out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It's really, in, fact, in fact, put Myers third, not not sixth. Yeah, so if, if let's just pretend that this is the roster. No, I hope it's not, but let's just pretend. Uh, who would you put third and fourth between Myers and Kemp, or do you really think it doesn't matter? Um, I mean, I guess the the statistics show that your best hitter should be third. So I, I mean, I would follow that and put Kemp third and put Myers at fourth. I thought the statistics were best player second. But maybe. Oh, I think you're right, actually. Yeah, but. But I mean, Bud, Bud would never way, do that. No, it's way too much to ask for a major league manager to actually try that. You know, right. Like, I I couldn't imagine uh, Dusty Baker putting Barry Bonds second back in his prime. Like, I just don't think that would ever have happened. No, in fact, we'd be lucky if Bud actually didn't put his best hitter at fourth, um, because that that was the strategy in RBI baseball. So, you know, let's just be happy. Let's be happy if he puts the best player at third. Okay. So uh, let's move on to the next question then. Uh, let's see. Which one are we going to go with? Uh, let's go with this one from Ed Kahn. Which outfielder is best suited for first base? I guess Seth Smith, right? I mean, Carlos Quentin's not really suited for anything in the field. Uh, or, or designated hitter even, in my opinion. Like Agreed. I, yeah. Um, he's not even good in the clubhouse. All right, let's just no. He's he's not good to hang out. He's not good to watch the game with. Like I, I'm not sure what he's good at. His name isn't even fun to say either. It's got a Q. With, I don't know. It's, it's not. Yeah. It it's good at Scrabble. That's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the conventional choice is Seth Smith. Um, if it really came down to it, I Will Venable's athletic enough to probably play anywhere in the field. I, th- I think he could pick up first base, but but then you've got him in the lineup. So uh, I, I think the realistic choice is going to be Seth Smith if it comes down to anyone. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, He's lefty. You know, he kind of fits the profile. 
And, and I just don't think you want to screw around with – I mean, if you see Matt Kemp and Will Myers as corner outfielders, please don't screw around by moving them around the diamond. Just put them out there. Let them you know, do their business uh, and screw around with other guys that aren't five-year long-term investments. Agreed, yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, I, I still think AJ and the team is somewhat committed to you know, rolling yonder Alonzo out there, much to the chagrin of many of us. But uh, – I mean, he's a low-salary player. He's got the pedigree. He, he's not—he's two years off of an, a pretty good year. You know, not a home run year, but you know, it was a pretty good year. And I think that they'd be happy if he could repeat his 2000, uh, whatever it was, 13. I'm—I'm I'm not so sure that he's going to be the opening day for his baseman. I. There's point, no one else to acquire. I mean, well, Mike Morris is signed now. There's there's literally no one on the free agent market. Well, I mean, at this point, I'm not willing to bet that anyone on the Padres roster will be on the Padres roster when the season starts. I mean, it's just it's been such a whirlwind. Okay, maybe your top three starting pitchers because everyone seems to say they're not moving. But otherwise, it's like I don't think anyone's safe at this point in time. They're shaking everything up, and I'm okay with that. Granted, yeah, but even for the sake of argument, though, like who's even a trade target at first? I don't know. I mean, I didn't think Will Myers was a potential trade target before today or yesterday, whenever those trades well, that's started. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. But I, I didn't think Rene Rivera was going anywhere after he traded Yasmani Grandal either. So, I mean, I think at this point, betting on it is probably a bad idea. Um, but I'm, I, I'm kind of with you in the sense that at this point, the Padres still need three new middle inf- or three new infielders, right? I mean, I don't think you want Amarista Barmis platoon at short if you're trying to make the playoffs. I don't think you want Solarte starting at third if you're trying to make the playoffs. I don't think you want Alonzo at first if you're trying to. But I guess if I had to choose, you know, one of those three to keep and, you know, go upgrade the other ones, I guess I would probably keep Yonder Alonzo because he at least has something half decent in his career to point to. Whereas Varmus, Amarista, Solarte, I mean, those guys are bench players. And there are shortstop options out there. So, um, yeah, well, you know, yeah, we talked about it last episode, but uh, the Korean shortstop Kong it has been posted, and it's supposed to announce who won the posting on Friday. So, and there's also a Japanese uh, shortstop that's available who adds like a ridiculous 400 on base percentage in the Japanese league last year. So, one of them would be great. And and with this trade, I mean, we added a, a tiny bit of salary. I think like one or two, one or two million dollars. But there's still room to make moves. Right. No, there's still. And, and if, as is rumored, they can if they can trade Seth Smith for something, uh, I mean that clears up quite a bit of room, also. Yeah, I I don't disagree. Um, okay, so let's move on to the, the next question. Then uh, it's kind of a similar question. This one comes from Friars Bra- uh, Excuse me, Friars Base Brawl. Catcher, catcher, catcher. Who you got? Well, I mean, I think clearly it's going to be a platoon of uh, Federowitz, and I haven't even looked at if there's platoon splits or anything like that. But uh, it may not be a formal platoon, but it's going to be time sharing of Federowitz and, and Hannigan. I think. I don't think they're. I don't. I think it'd be foolish to bring Hedges up at this point. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they don't. Okay, here's one thing though. I was thinking about this. So the Matt Kemp trade is not official. Uh, there's still some posturing. Some people are speculating that it's. Due to the Matt Kemp physical, others are saying it's not related to that. It's some other reason. 
I also hear David Ross is uh, potentially coming to the Padres, which doesn't seem to make very much sense seeing as they have both Hannigan and Federowitz now. Do you think it's possible the Padres are trying to change Federowitz into something else in that deal? Uh, what, what do you mean, like a first into a first baseman? Well, I mean, you got a guy in Hannigan who absolutely, I mean, he has a platoon, platoon splits to be part of a an awesome platoon of catcher where he starts against left-handed pitching and someone else starts against right-handed pitching. Now, granted, normally you don't do that at catcher because you have, like, personal catchers for pitchers. But, I mean, if you really wanted to maximize offensive production, you could do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, And, and I, I did notice the UT – the UT people, I think Dennis Lane and the normal mouthpieces for the team uh, are, are pushing the idea that Ross is still out there and and may want to come to the Padres. And I kind of think it's a, where there's a smoke, there's fire type situation. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I guess I'm just – I'm kind of dra- grasping the straws here because I don't really see Federowitz and Hannigan as great platoon mates. Like, I don't see the match there. They're both – well, I, I don't think it's going to be a righty-lefty type platoon thing, but th- there's still room for, like, a time-sharing, getting regular rest type situation. Okay, yeah, I guess. I'm not overly thrilled with that catching pairing. I, I think they're both underrated players. Um, but I guess I don't I, think I'm not sure we're losing anything, though, from what we would have had with, with a Grandall-Rivera combo, though. Maybe not from an operationally because Buddy was going to overplay Rivera, but I mean, I think I'd rather play Yasmani Grandal every day than those two guys, to be completely honest. But well, so, well and Grandal had room for growth also. I mean, uh, Hannigan's like 34, and and Federowitz, I guess, has room for growth maybe, but uh, not not to the same degree of Grandal. Right, right. Ross, I'm not really sure what he adds, to tell you the truth. He's yeah, I mean. He's got raw power. I mean, he's yeah. quite a ways away from his 21 home run season, but uh, I mean, he's got some raw power. Yeah, a, a career, you know, 93 weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching. That's not that bad a catcher. You could do way, way, way worse than that. I mean, if you brought him in and you had him hit right-handed pitching and you had Hannigan hit lefties, you would actually probably get an above-average major league hitter there. Yeah, he's also going to be 38 uh, by opening day, so. Right. Well, I mean, and that's not that bad because you have hedges coming along. I mean, it's not the end of the world if you bring in a stopgap to catcher. That's true, yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't looked. Uh, we've talked on the podcast before. There was a catcher who was regularly projected for good war out of AAA. I forget his name. And I have no idea if he's still on the team or if he's been released or what. But, I mean, if, if he's not around, you know, they do need some depth for, you know, eventually. No, it's the Padres, so there's going to be injuries at some point. You're talking about Rob Crowell, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah, so he last year played a double-A. Um, he kind of had an off year. He hit 181. Now, he still walked 15% of the time, which is nice, but I'm not sure if he would. Uh, those kind of look like Jaff Decker numbers to me. Yeah, I mean, Fangraph sure did love him, but, uh, you know, if he's, not gonna, if he's not producing, then, you know, what, what can he do? Yeah, sometimes the computers like players more than the scouts, and there's, I think there is kind of this... Uh, Venn diagram where you have all the guys the scouts like on one end and all the guys that computers like on the other. You know, you kind of have to be in the overlap to really succeed at the major league level. I think he's very far on the uh, stats side. He's also 26 uh, at opening day. So, 
Okay, let's let's move on to the next one because we we started talking about the double A catcher. Actually, the backup double A catcher because I believe <laughs> is, is the starter there. All right. Um, I think this leads to the next one. Uh, Real Zach Darman wrote, "Do Pods have enough O, which I believe is offense, to be world uh, wild card contenders?" No, they don't. I mean, every projection would show that they're not even at 500 yet, I, I think. Um, so, no, they need to add more. Um, I mean, the net addition to their, their war, season war for next projected season war next year, will be Will Myers over whoever he's replacing. Uh, Hannigan and Rivera kind of offset each other. Um, but like you said earlier, there's still major holes on this team. I mean, a wild card contender isn't going to have Yonder Alonso, Clint Barmas, and Yangervis Solarte in the infield. And I know a lot of us think that Jerko is just going to go back. A lot of people, I think, are just assuming he's going to bounce back and he's going to be a 20 to 30 home run hitter. I'm not sure that's a safe bet at this point. Um, and center field's still a mystery. I mean, people will throw Maven's name out there, but Maven kind of sucks. Uh, at the plates and can't stay healthy. So there's definitely issues on this team. And I think it was Woe Doctor this week that, that did point out, and we've discussed it also on the podcast, that everyone's common – I think the, the, the average fan's opinion is that our pitching staff is awesome. But statistics show that it, it's really not that awesome. Um, even if you ignore the fact that Ross and Kashner are injuries waiting to happen – there, and now, now Brandon Morrow also, who we signed, is an injury waiting to happen as well. You know, there's a lot of issues on this team that if everything doesn't go right and we have injuries like usual, uh, the team's going to have a lot of holes that are going to be difficult to patch. So there's still room in the payroll to sign people, and I think that uh, Preller needs to keep keep his eye on the ball. And um, we're, we're not at wild card level right now. We're so, solidly at third place level right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to answer the question verbatim. So he's asking about offense. So that means I'm going to ignore the defensive aspect of the players we have, of, of, of our offensive players, right? So I'm just going to look at the offense itself. I, I just don't I, – I mean, I wish we could flip Seth Smith for, you know, a comparable player at third base or first. Um, and, you know, the same kind of goes for guys who are above replacement level – like Cameron Maven and, and Will Venable and, and so on, just so we can spread out the value there. Because I think if you got to trot out the eight eight best hitters on the Padres offense right now, like if you actually got to throw Matt Kemp, Jed Jerko, Will Myers, uh, dare I say Carlos Quentin if he was healthy, you know, blah, 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 and Seth Smith. I mean, I think that's kind of enough offense to be a wild card contender, yes. Now, granted, you can't play all those guys at the same time. They can't defend. None of those guys are necessarily great defenders. So, I mean, the the answer is the pitching is is close. The offense is certainly a lot closer. The defense is nowhere to not even close yet, like not at all. So, you know, maybe everything goes right and they can win the wild card with this roster. But I think that's a really bad bet. Um, and and you know the reason why I'm excited here is that they're moving towards that, right? They're not just staying put and doing nothing. So um, I'm going to cheer them all the way this offseason towards getting to wild card contender. But I agree with you that right now they're not one of the odds on favorites. But though I think they've leapfrogged past a couple teams, maybe. 
Well, I mean, there's only so many arrows in the quiver, you know. Um, I, I took a look just to go back and look at the uh, – it was the MLB Trade Rumors top top 50 free agents. Uh, there's like one left in the top 20. I think it's like a Japanese pitcher that hasn't been posted yet. Uh, oh, and Peavy. So, and Max Scherzer. Of, yeah, Max Scherzer. So, so out of the top 20, that's all that's left. Um, I don't think they're going to sign Scherzer, but – you know, maybe they will. That would be huge. But there's very few ways to improve this team out of free agency at this point, um, which leads you to trades. And as we've said on this on this podcast, a trade is a trade in value. You're not just gaining something for free. Um, we just traded away a lot of our you know better prospects, not our top prospects, um, to get Will Myers and. Maybe Preller is going to blow out the farm, you know, get rid of some, uh, hedges at some point. Maybe he's saving hedges so we could trade him to someone else. I, I don't know. But there, there's limited bullets, you know, to, to, to improve the team via trade at this point. And I, I think Preller's creative, but I, I, I'm running out of ideas of how how he can get this offense to – and fill those holes in the infield and the center field, whatever, um, fill those holes with, with what we've got. Yeah, and I'm not that convinced the rest of the division has gotten that much worse. You know, like, I know the Rockies suck, and they're probably going to suck for a couple more years here. Um, the Diamondbacks added Tomas, but, I, I, you know, and as much as we like that, I don't think that's going to put them into the uh, – They're know. not bad. They're not bad, though. They're not bad. Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt was hurt a bunch of last year. They've got some, some pitching prospects that are well-regarded. Um they're a team that, that could surprise you. I, I'm not going to say that they're a, a playoff contender, but I think it'd be, um, I think it'd be foolish to write them off right now. Right, right. All, all I'm saying is I don't think they got worse this offseason so far. And right, then yeah. The Giants, yeah, I mean, they lost Pablo Sandoval. They lost Mike Morris. But you have to remember, they're actually going to get Matt Cain back from injury this year. Uh, that's not an insignificant addition to that team. And they're still rumored in a bunch of these players. They might end up adding – uh, the Korean shortstop, or they're maybe, in on Scherzer. Yeah, so I mean, we still have to play all these teams 19 times, and of course, you know, the Dodgers are really active. I have no idea what their end game is this off season. Um, you know, they did lose Kemp. I do think they might be under undervaluing him and his contributions to their lineup, especially in the second half of last year. Um, but you know, they got Grandal. They signed Brandon McCarthy. They still have a bunch of top prospects like Jock Peterson. They're going to give playing time to uh, Seager's really close. Like I'm, I'm still have the Dodgers way ahead of the Padres in the West, but the Padres got better compared to the entire rest of the league this offseason. So they're closer to the wild card than they were before. They're just, you know, they're not a significant part of that conversation yet. Well, and, Going into every, you know, the past few seasons, I think that the general feeling has been if everything goes right and we can stay healthy, I think we've got a good team. That was Josh Burns's regular comments. And to some degree, I think it's still true. Um, I think if Jed Jerko rebounds, to, you know, regains his power stroke and maybe gets on base a little more, if Yonder goes back to being a devil's machine, uh, if Solarte doesn't totally suck, maybe somewhere in between his hot April last year and where where he he played the rest of the season, you know, yeah, I think the team is wild card, possibly contending. But I've also learned in the past few years not to count on everything going right with this team. No, and I think the difference this year is, you know, last year every single player had like an if and or but. You know, it was like 
if Quinton's healthy, if Maven's yeah. healthy. If, if Venable Maven, can repeat, you know. If, if Jerko avoids a sophomore slump, if Yonder comes back, if Chase Headley is 2012 Headley, if Grandall comes back from his ACL injury, if Kachner and Ross stay healthy, if Everett Cabrera is off steroids and health, you know, like every, literally every player on the roster had that question. Now we don't have that necessarily. You know, we have guys who are like, all right, what's the floor in this guy? 20 home runs? You know, it's that's really nice. And that really helps the mathematical odds for the Padres. They only need, you know, three things to break their way instead of nine. Right. So, so that's really refreshing to see. Um, and I'm going to cheer that, you know, all along the way, every time they add one of those guys that shores up a position. So you were very happy with this, regardless of the payroll, because they, they didn't add payroll. And I know that you're a big proponent of adding. No. In fact, we're both big proponents of adding payroll. Uh, they did add a little payroll, right? I mean, well, they added, yeah, they added a million and a half dollars. Wasn't it more than that? I mean, well, I guess they added Will, whatever Will Myers' salary is. No, and Ryan Hannigan is going to get seven million over the next two years. Yeah, okay. I was breaking it down to this this upcoming season. It's about a, a million and a half delta between. Rivera's projected arbitration and actually it's two million dollars delta. Yeah, for the so, upcoming season. I mean it's it. Yeah, I mean it's in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty insignificant. And I said this on Twitter. You know, I had a tweet where I, in asterisks, I said, uh, "Heads over to Padres.com browse the season ticket packages." And while I might be joking about that at some level, you know, if payroll actually does go up. I am definitely going to go to games. I'm going to reward ownership for doing that and living up to their word. Real quick on payroll. Uh, we talked last week about how they would report some of, some, some, some of the payroll. Um, so we signed Brandon Morrow this week uh, from Toronto. I think his base salary is $2.5 million, but he's got $5 million in incentives, possible incentives for being a starting pitcher. When they report, when Corey Brock reports what the current payroll is, is he going to count the five million dollars of potential incentives as a salary obligation? I don't know. I mean, I've talked about how they might do that and how they might count all of Matt Kemp's salary as opposed to just the uh, whatever fifteen million the Potters are going to pay. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't come down to that. I really don't. Um, of course, you and I will be on top of that if they do. All I care about is the number of dollars ownership is actually paying for the players the Padres are actually playing. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Right. For me. The checks that they actually are cutting on payday. Yeah, and I guess if they end up trading Carlos Quinn and eating that whole contract, you know, they can count that, I guess. I mean, it's a bad obligation they made, but at the end of the day, it's still something they're paying. Right. You know, I'm just saying whatever they pay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Moro. Well, I don't think they're going to count the five million dollars. Uh, I don't think Den- I noticed Dennis Lynn at the UT has been reporting quite a bit on what the projected salaries are. I don't think he'll count it. Corey Brock, I really can't put anything past him, but uh, I mean, it'll be whatever Mike D tells him to do. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with, happy with all of it. Happy with the Moro signing. Happy with Myers. It's, it's a good day. Yes, it is. All right, and the final question is from Oscar Haha1721, one of our favorite followers on Twitter, by the way. He asks, how can you not go all in on Tulo Profar? Oh, that would be fantastic. Uh, 
I'm, but I, I think to get from what I've read on on what the Rockies' demands are for Tulo, they're very high. They're very very high, like beyond what Upton was going to cost. Um, I guess I'd be torn on if he's a player that I would bet the farm on. I don't know about Profar. I don't actually know that much about him other than that he's a highly rated prospect. But my understanding is he's very injured. Is he even going to play? Is he playing the whole season this this upcoming season? Or is he starting the season injured? I believe there was a recommendation that he gets shoulder surgery and that he has said no. And then what's his what's his ceiling? I mean, is he like a Alcides Escobar type defensive first shortstop, or is he like offensive minded? I, I, honestly, I don't know that much about him. He's supposed to be both. He's supposed to be like the total package in the sense that he might hit 300 maybe and with like some power and also play you know shortstop well. Okay, so he's above Andrelton Simmons, but sub A-Rod as a shortstop. I don't know how he is defensively. Like, well, he won't – I don't think he'll get close to Simmons defensively. But from an overall package standpoint, I think as a prospect, he's not as good as A-Rod was. I mean, A-Rod was like a, a mega prospect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's fair to compare anyone to that. But I do think that he is above what Simmons was as a prospect, yes. And he's I guess so I guess I'm not that excited for him. Maybe maybe I'm one of the few. Uh, I mean, I see a lot of people on Twitter just begging them to get Profar, but I don't know. For if you if you look at the odds of him panning out, uh, I'm not sure they're that high. But then again, a lot of people know prospects a lot better than me. So, uh, you know, I would rather Tulo was on the team, but I think he's going to cost a lot. So personally, I'm not sure those two would be who I'd go after. I love Ian Desmond, actually, but he's only under contract for one year. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to be happy if they upgrade shortstop at all, really. I mean, now I don't mean go out and get someone who's just a, a fraction better than Amarista and Barmas, but if they sign Kung Ho, uh, they sign Kang, the... Uh, Korean guy, or they go sign Takashi Tori, uh, Toritani, I believe his name is. I'd be ecstatic with either. Yeah, or if they trade for Profar or Tulowitzki, I'm going to be happy with any of yeah, those. Yeah, but again, between the two, I'd rather sign the guy than trade for someone. I mean, I'd, I I would bet on I would, if we're going to bet, and I think Profar is a bet. He's not. I don't think anyone thinks he's a sure thing. Um, he didn't perform that well at the major league level his first stint. If you're going to bet on someone, I'd rather bet on the guy that just costs you money. Yeah, I mean, from a team-building standpoint, that makes more sense to me. But I, I, the, the question is, how can you not go all in? So I guess we're saying you can't go all in because maybe we don't think they're right there and we, should, we don't want to mortgage everything. Um, that said, if the Padres actually pulled off a trade for Tulowitzki and let's say it costs them – Hedges, Whistler, and a couple more prospects, and you know maybe starting pitcher. I, I don't. I don't even know what a package would look for Tulowitzki. I really have no idea. But let's say it cost them their top four prospects. I might frown the deal long term, but I'm going to be extremely, extremely excited for 2015. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'll be excited. But if we're going all in for 2015, I'd rather give up. I don't know, half the stash, a quarter of the stash, and get Gideon Desmond. I like Ian Desmond, clearly. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's he's good. I mean, he's you know you get him, you get a draft pick. It's the same arguments you had for Upton. He's 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 arguably one of the best offensive shortstops in the game. He's not that bad in defense. He's not the best. Um, but again, if you're gonna go all in for 2015, I'd rather give up Whistler and and you know a second tier prospect for Desmond than giving up all four of the top prospects for for Tulo and paying Tulo. But and we talked about it last podcast. You know, I'm personally confused if the team is. I mean, some of these moves look like they are going for it in 2015, and if that's really their intent, I, I think that that that's fine. I'm all for it. I, I'm I want to go see the games next season, but um, you know, I, I think Desmond fits into that that framework a lot better. Yeah, I mean, if that's what they do, if they go for it in 2015, I'm going to support them like monetarily now. But if Four put years that, from put, now, oh, man, put put that in the books. This is David Marver saying that. No, it's true. That's what I've said all along. But not only will I support them this year, but if four years from now all these prospects they've traded have panned out, well, then I'll say they're stupid for having done it. You know, like I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be fair and objective all the way, like you know, throughout the entire process. And so, if they put a, a, a good watchable team on the field in 2015, I will pay money to go see it. I, I guess I can't see a reason that Preller would keep make it such a point to keep Ian Kennedy around unless he has some intent of going for it in 2015. I think there's part of this is there's been this rumor of a possible layaway part two here where Ron Fowler provided a bunch of capital to the O'Malley's in order to seal that deal because they had so much money coming to the Fowler minority owners in the new television deal. So perhaps what they said was, or perhaps part of Ron Fowler's reasoning is that he's not going to be primary owner or controlling partner for that long. And he wants to have at least one or two seasons where he gets to have control over the team. And this might be one of those seasons. Fowler was quoted as saying he doesn't have that much longer being, you know, involved with the team. And he he wants to see some progress. So that makes sense in the whole framework of it. I mean, it's selfish of him, but, I guess if I was rich enough to buy a team, I would also be selfish about it. Okay, well, I have to cut it short today. Uh, we went a little bit longer than I intended, um, but that's what happens when the Padres make significant offseason moves, I guess. Yeah, and can we just reiterate that the best marketing for Wayne Partello is improving baseball operations because the the excitement for the Padres is – I haven't seen people this excited since since 1998, honestly. Right, and it's it must be nice for him to go from turd polishing to bronze statue polishing. That might be a, a little bit easier for him. Yeah, not quite silver yet, but you know, bronze a bronze statue is a lot nicer than a turd. Yeah. Okay, that's it, Padre Land. Uh, until the next time, go Padres. Go Padres.